Listen, uh, we're, we're starting a series right now, uh, today, in, in the next 10 seconds, uh, about uh, sex. And so I just want to tell you in advance that we're going to be talking about sexual issues. So if you're at all nervous about that, if you have kids with you, if you're nervous about the things that might be said, I want to encourage you to uh, uh, move in that direction now and uh, take them to the, the kids' area. Just be forewarned that that's what's happening. Or if you're unsure... There is, uh, there's some pews back there. You can sit back there and uh, leave, cover their ears, and uh, go, go from there. I am working today to not be offensive, uh, but I want to simply address the things that are going on in our culture. Our culture is talking about these things. Sex is everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Uh, my son, Marshall, we've had uh, one of the talks with him. And, uh, and, so, and then I had another talk with him the other day, and um, he watches the news with me a lot. I'm kind of a news junkie. And he says to me, Dad, why are they always talking about sex? And I was like, he's noticing this. Sex is all over our TV. It is everywhere. It's all over TV, news, uh, Facebook, any kind of media. Everywhere you look, sexuality, uh, sexual identity, it's in the courts. It's in uh, the, the political scene. It's all over the place. It's in the uh, presidential race. Everywhere you look today, uh, we are talking about sex. Miley Cyrus uh, just came out. In case you wanted to know uh, about her intimate details of her life, she's a pansexual, which uh, I have a definition for you. I'm not going to take the time to read it, but a pansexual. It's, uh, it, it's indeterminate. She doesn't care who she's with or what type of gender she's with. I'm not making light of that or making fun of her, but I am saying that it's interesting. She just came out and announced that. There are numerous examples of, I should actually look at this uh, so that I can remember everything that has happened in our culture as of late. Um, Miley Cyrus, Bruce Jenner, uh, becoming Caitlyn Jenner or, or changing his name. Uh, the, the whole issue of transgender or gender confusion. Uh, there's children who are identifying as transgender. Um, a friend of mine is a church planner up in uh, Washington. He had to uh, pull out of the school that he was um, having church in because they were converting all of the restrooms to uh, transgender. I'm not exactly sure what, how that works, but that's, that's, what, they're, that's what they're doing. Uh, you have just in the last couple of weeks, Kim Davis, uh, who was a county clerk, uh, who has been refusing to issue marriage licenses of any kind. Uh, you have the Supreme Court decision, which is affecting that, making essentially um, uh, uh, gay marriage uh, the law of the land. You have the Marion County Court Judge Vance Day in our town right now, who um, I believe is a, is a Christian man. Um, and, uh, and so forth, but he has uh, refused to do marriages of any kind so that he uh, does not have to do same-sex marriages. You have the Gresham Bakery, who refused to uh, bake a cake. You have the Boy Scouts. Much of this has to do with homosexuality and transgender. It is the hottest topic, but make no mistake, like, sex is everywhere, not just that kind of sex. Um, pornography rates are just through the roof when you look at what's being downloaded and how frequently. It's uh, estimated 70% of the uh, you know, country at large uh, of males are looking at pornography, 30% of women. That's a, that's a large section of our 
world that is involved in sex. Sex is everywhere. It's, and in some ways, it is everything. Each award show or each TV show has to push the envelope and push the envelope and push the envelope. It's going further and further all the time. There is, there is no doubt about this. But there is a major problem, and that is that sin is not just out there. Sexuality and all of the issues that are happening out there are happening in here, in the church. Not just in our church, but in all churches. The church has a major problem. If you think about the Ashley Madison leak of names, people who were signing on to a website and saying that they wanted to uh, have an affair. Um, uh, unbeknownst to them, uh, to many of these men, there were very few women on the site, so that was kind of a joke, but there's a lot of people who had signed up for this service to have an affair on their wife or on their husband. Very few women, but mostly men. It's estimated that 400 pastors are on that list, and I think it was two weeks ago, uh, that was the estimation that there would be 400 pastors who'd be stepping down from their role as lead pastor or as, uh, as a staff member or something along those lines. 400 pastors. And you don't have to look very far. I mean, it's, it's every month, every couple of months, there's a lead pastor, somebody who's big in Christian culture who uh, has uh, left their wife and family and had an affair um, there's a guy named Bob Coy down in Florida. There's another guy named Tolian Chavijan uh, down in Florida as well. I don't know what's wrong with Florida, but uh, I mean, there's some messed up stuff down there. I mean, but it's, it's not just there. It's everywhere. It's all over the place and untold amounts that we don't even know about, that haven't come out yet, that haven't been seen. There are numerous examples of this over and over and over again. Josh Duggar uh, from the TV show 19 Kids and, and Counting. He uh, was, um, he had abused his sisters, has admitted, uh, admitted to that. Then the Ashley Madison leak comes out, and now he's admitted to that. And then there's, there's more, and there's more, and there's more. And this guy is a Bible-believing, homeschooled, I believe, um, Christian family. And this happened. And many people were asking, how did this get into their family? Because they have been so secluded. They have, you know, it's a, it's a fortress. Like, they have not let anything in. But here's the problem. That the, it, the problem isn't out there with them. They're not the problem. I am the problem. I'm not Satan, but I, I mean, all, all of us are the problem. We are. It is us. It is me. It is we. Humanity has a problem. We have a very serious problem to the point where it's between uh, it's 50% of men within the church, it's slightly lower. 50% of men in the church are checking out porn, 20% of women. There's untold amounts of all kinds of things that have happened in marriages. I just want to stop right here and just say I'm, I'm, I'm digging. I'm digging, and some of you know some of you know. You know you're messed up, like me. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's kind. He has steadfast love for you. He loves you. So none of this is about beating you over the head. I was talking with a friend of mine 
and I've, and I've intentionally had a conversation with him because I, I wanted to know what he thought, but my friend is gay, and um, I'm a pastor, and so it's always awkward to say, hey, can we talk about your sexuality? You know, that, that just never goes well, right? Especially someone who's not in the church, at least not anymore. And I've had an ongoing conversation with him, and the conversation has, uh, I had a two-hour phone co- conversation with him, and then uh, we've been talking over Facebook over this last week and just kind of talking about, you know, what's, what's going on. And I sensed a little bit of tension with him through, uh, you know, an exchange we had online. And I, and I said, you know, t- is, there, is, is there tension between us? And, and he essentially came back and, and he just said, I'm, I'm so tired of the hypocrisy. I'm so tired of everything that, that they stay, stand for. He says, do you even understand, Matt, that you're the only person that I would ever talk to about this? And I'm assuming what he means is that I'm the only Christian that he knows that he's ever talked with about this since he initially came out. He said, you don't even understand how much the homosexual community hates the church. He said, it, I mean, it, it is so bad. And he says, do not tell me that there are not people in your church that are every bit as screwed up as I am. He said, when I go to church and I feel like everyone's looking at me, they're, they're, they're pointing me out, they're pointing out all of my flaws, but yet they have these gaping flaws, these gaping wounds that are all over the news, and then you read the private statistics and it says, it's not just our leaders, but it's, it's us. It's not just the people who were sheltered or, or the people who were, uh, who were just a part of the, the church at large, but it's the people who were supposed to be really Christian. And you know what? He's right. He's right. You know what Christians have been doing for many, many years? We've been denying that we have a problem. We've, we've been denying that we don't have an issue or that we have an issue. We've been denying this for ages and ages and ages. And here's the problem with that. Like, as long as we continue to act in this way, we will continue to have no witness in our city. We will continue to have no witness among the people within our city who feel like they're sinners. And it's because we, we have forgotten a serious theological point. Trevin Wax said this in a, uh, a fantastic article on the Gospel Coalition uh, website. He says, the silence of the Christian church in regards to sexual sin among its members reinforces the societal myth that sexuality can be casual and free of consequences. And if the church does not take sexual sin among its members seriously, how can we speak prophetically to the world about God's good design for sexuality? As long as you and I refuse to admit that we have a problem, as long as you and I deny an essential doctrine of the Christian faith, we will continue to be ineffective. And here's the thing. 
I'm talking to a friend. Wait, you, thank you. Thank you. Yes. I'll clap for myself. That's fine. Here's somebody who's not a theologian, who, who doesn't, isn't a practicing Christian. I, I don't believe he would call himself that. And yet he has defined a very serious doctrine that is in our scriptures, and we constantly just deny it. How, what are the ways that we deny this doctrine? We say, you're a sinner and you're going to hell for that. Now, I, I would like to think that most, many, hopefully all of the people in our church do not do this. But I think in some ways we still do. We, we point at everyone else and say, you've got the problem. You've got the issue. You're going to hell for that. And we essentially affirm something, and that is a false doctrine of works righteousness, meaning that I'm acceptable to God because of what I do which is completely wrong. It's completely antithetical to the entirety of the scriptures. You cannot find anybody in the Bible, essentially, almost, who is not completely jacked up. In, in fact, God prides himself, in essence, on using somebody who's completely messed up to do his perfect work. Look at the key leaders of who he is from the very beginning to the very end, and you see messed up people, and yet we come... And somehow we want to assert to our culture that we have it right and they have it wrong. Yet they've correctly looked back at our movement and said, there's some serious missteps here. And what, so why are we talking about homosexuality so much? Because homosexuality is bringing up a very good point about us. This is not going to be just about homosexuality. I guarantee you that. But, but I'm telling you this. It has brought up a very serious point in our Culture. Let me read you this from, from an author. Is it Ronald? Ronald Sider. We must start with the tragedy that evangelical Christians who long to be biblical are widely perceived as hostile to gays. And it is largely our own fault. Many of us have actually been homophobic. Most of us tolerated gay bashers. Many of us were largely silent when bigots in, the, in society battered or even killed gay people. Very often, we did not deal sensitively and lovingly with young people in our churches struggling with their sexual orientation. Instead of taking the lead and ministering to people with AIDS, the sick, some of our leaders even opposed government funding for research to discover medicine to help them. At times, we even had the gall to blame gay people for the tragic collapse of marriage in our society, ignoring the obvious fact that the main problem by far is that many of the 95% of people who are heterosexual do not keep their marriage vows. 95%. In fact, self-described evangelicals get divorced at higher rates than Catholics and mainline Protestants. We have frequently failed to distinguish gay orientation from gay sexual activity, even though if any of us were judged by the persistent inclinations of our hearts on sexual matters or otherwise, none of us could stand. If, if you and I were judged 
the way that, the, that our Christian culture, whether, whether we've literally done, whether I've said things like that or not, if we were to be judged by the same measuring stick, there, there's not a single one of us in here that can stand. 1 Corinthians 6 lists uh, nine or ten uh, uh, sins, one or two uh, references to homosexuality, depending on the translation that you're reading. The, the rest of those, we, we focus on homosexuality, but then everything else is just fair game. Well, I'm a little bit greedy. Yeah, I've, I've, got, I've got some problems with it. I, you know, it's not, it's, my sin is okay, but somebody else's, oh, ho, ho. that's a problem. That's a problem. But you've got to remember, the Lord, the Lord, he's merciful and he's gracious and he's loving and he's kind. This is Old Testament. I mean, this is when you see the God of wrath. This is when you see this God who's angry and he destroys people, but he's merciful and he's gracious and he's loving and he's kind. And yet the people who know him or claim to know him today know nothing about that because they're not communicating that to their culture. And the only thing that you and I are concerned about happens to be about the laws that are being put in place and everything else that's happening. And I can't speak to every detail of... I'm not going to suggest that we shouldn't stand up for what we believe is right. But I'm saying this. Like, I had to go back to my friend and I had to say, dude, after he shared some stuff with me, I just said, I couldn't comment for the longest time because I just, I mean, at first I wanted to defend myself and say, well, you don't understand. What, am I going to defend myself? Like, he, here he is pouring out his heart and just saying, I feel wounded by what's going on. And all I can say is, my heart breaks for you because that is not Jesus. That is not God. That is not who he is. And we have misrepresented him. And if it wasn't us personally, it was our movement. So it is our fault. So I want to say this. That is that I want to do something new. I want to do something new that's, that's going to be loving towards people who would never expect us to be loving. I'm not saying violate the scriptures, but I'm saying let's get downright inconvenienced. Woo! Let's get inconvenienced. Let's get uncomfortable. How in the world could we show our city and the people who are in our church, which is all of us, how, how can we show them that our God is gracious, he's merciful, he's kind? How could we do this? Man, we want to see, the reason why you've got to know God is because you need to know his nature and his character and understand him 
Because when you know God and you, tr- and you begin to investigate and dig deeply into his scriptures, then you're going to begin to act like God. You're going to begin to image God. And I, I probably have five sermons ready to go this morning uh, just for this one. So I'm going to abbreviate here. In Genesis, where God creates, what happens there? You have this creator God. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what that essentially means is that he created all things from nothing. Like everything that exists came from him. Everything that is came from him. Ex nihilo, meaning from nothing. This is, this is this God. He creates all things. And he goes down the line and he's creating animals and trees and grass and the, the world and the waters and everything. And then he comes and he creates man. He creates man. And man is to be the pinnacle of creation because he says this. I'm just going to ditch all of my notes here. One twenty-six. One twenty-six in Genesis. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." So God created man in His own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. And then it says, God bless them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So God does this. He creates man. It's the pinnacle because of this. Nothing else is said to be created in the image of God. Image of God means this, to be like God, to represent God. How do you represent God? Well, in many ways, we are to subdue the earth. We're to multiply. We're, we're procreative. We're able to create other human beings through the capacity that God has given us. He's given us these character traits that are similar, that are like his. And so we've been created in this likeness of him. But the question comes, like, why? Why does God create us? Why does he make us like this? And the scriptures tell us clearly that he has created us for his own glory. God is all about his own glory. God is all about his own praise. God is all about receiving honor because he is such a fantastic creator. He's not like a a deified Donald Trump. I'm sorry I say his name every week, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about possessing all of those traits and saying the truth about those, about his greatness. God is so good. He's so great. He's so vast. He's created all things. When you wake up in the morning right now, while it's clear for just a few more days and the sun is coming up, my wife was telling me yesterday, have you seen the sun come up? The last couple of days, our window next to our bed faces right where the sun comes up and ah. The sunrises are amazing. They're amazing. This is this creator God. He's the greatest artist that's ever lived. Or is, I should say. He's the greatest of all time. 
and he creates man in his own image for his own glory. But then what happens? Genesis chapter 3 takes place. And Genesis chapter 3 is the proverbial apple on the tree that should never have been eaten. And what happens in that instance is that Satan comes to Eve and says, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman responds and she says, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. What's that say? God doesn't know what he's talking about. It, 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 it essentially says he's not the author of life. He, he doesn't really, he's, he's lying to you. He doesn't really mean that or he can't really make that assertion. You will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Now, what happened right here is what we call the fall. And in the fall, what takes place is this. Satan comes to humanity, the representatives of all of us, Adam and Eve. First Eve, Adam participates. He says, God doesn't know what he's talking about. Here's what, what I'm going to promise you. And here's the promise of sin. You, you are going to be like God you will know good and evil. You will know right from wrong. You can determine what is and what isn't. All sin, all sin is an effort to become God in our lives. All sin. And let me just tell you this. Sexually speaking, that humanity has a problem with this and always has. And it is heightened to a massive degree today. And I want to tell you this, that that sin is essentially saying, God, as creator, you do not know what you are talking about. I will choose what is right and what is wrong. And so what takes place is this, the fall of humanity and in Romans 3.23, it says that we, uh, that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when sin comes into the world through Adam and Eve, what happens is this, is that all of humanity becomes sinful. I could spend a lot of time on this theological point, but I, I will just tell you this, that if, if, if you want to know more about this, I, I, I will, I'll read you uh, 15 pages of, of notes here, and that, that should be helpful, right? And so uh, this is a theological point. All of humanity becomes sinful as a result of that sin. All of humanity. Who are we talking about? Moral people and immoral people. Religious people and irreligious people. We're talking about the homeschooled parents who never let their kids out of the house. We're talking about the pastor that studies the word every single day. We're, we're talking about the everyday Christian 
that's rocking a pew. We're talking about the, the mom at home who seems perfect and innocent. We're talking about the prostitute on the street who looks obvious. Every single one of us is distorted because of the fall of man right there. To say to anyone else outside of our church, outside of the church, that somehow they are jacked up and I am not is a distortion of the doctrine of original sin. It's a distortion of the book of Genesis. It's a distortion of every book in the Bible. To say that somehow I'm not sinful just like anyone else is patently false. And Christians, you've got to get this. That if you do not understand this doctrine, the image of God, the glory of God, original sin, if you do not understand that, you miss the meaning and purpose of life. The gospel is the good news. It's, it's, it's the other side of this. It's how we get rectified. It's, it's how we become whole with God again. How we begin to bring him glory. But that doctrine, if you miss it, you miss everything. You miss everything. Now, what, is this, what does this mean for us? It means a couple things. One, we have no business judging the outside world. We need to judge ourselves first. That is clear from Scripture. 1 Corinthians 5. There's an incestuous relationship going on. The church is approving of it. Paul says, you should know better. And he says, I'm not talking about judging the outside world. If you're going to judge them, you'd have to leave this world. I'm talking about start with the church and end with the church. The church is where holiness must reside. But outside of the church, we have no business judging them. It does us no good to announce our opinions on Facebook. It does us no good to, to, to do this because there are people both inside the church and outside of the church who are struggling with same-sex attraction and Jesus loves you and he died for you and this is gonna be a safe place for you. But if you and I spend our time announcing things that we believe about this, that, or the other thing, however right or wrong they are, whatever, we lose the opportunity to become friends with someone and to show them the grace of Jesus Christ. Be careful what you post. Be careful what you say. Be gracious to those around you. Because Jesus loves them. Get to know them and hear how they've been hurt. Tell me, what's your experience been like with the church? Apologize for everything you can, and maybe a little more. Because there's a wall to be broken down there. Not just with those who are dealing with same-sex attraction, but with those who know that they're sexual sinners, or don't know that they're sexual sinners, or even care or even submit to the Bible. Love them. Care about them. Because of this, because you have original sin. You are completely depraved. I am completely depraved. The only reason 
that we're acceptable to God has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the choice that you made. It's because God, who's rich in mercy, made you alive with Christ. It's not because you grew up in a homeschool family and you're just like, hey, I'm really good. Never watch an R-rated movie. Never have a drink of beer. Always make sure, whatever. That's not it. That keeps you from God. Because you think that somehow you got yourself in. But the grace of Jesus Christ says you didn't get yourself in. That it is God who's rich in mercy. Who's made you alive in Christ. Let me end with this. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Let me start in 17. I just, I just want to take a second. Like, some of you are like painfully aware of your sin. And I want to tell you that's both a good place and a bad place. It's good because you recognize it. It's bad because you're not seeing Jesus entirely. Some of you need to become more aware of your sin. But let me just talk to you. Like you're hurting right now. You know you've screwed up. You know that you've got problems. You are loved because of this. Therefore, if anyone, if any sexual sinner, if anyone who hasn't sinned but just has constant temptations that they don't want, homosexual or heterosexual, if anyone, those who have gender confusion, if anyone, those who have had an affair, if anyone, those who are looking to porn, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is and she is a new creation. This means that when God looks at you, he doesn't look at your sin. He sees himself on the cross having gone to the cross for you. He's, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. All of that's behind you, but I'm still struggling with it. Yes, but God says it's all behind you. And the sooner you get that, that he paid for that on the cross, the sooner you're going to be able to let go of those. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God. It's not from you. It's not from your abilities. It's not how many Bible studies you go to. It's not how often you go to church. It's none of those. It is from God. You can't do it. He's done it for you. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And this means I have original sin. I'm totally depraved. I get that, that he saved me. I can't believe he did. But now I have a responsibility to my city to reconcile. I am a reconciler of people who are gay and lesbian, same-sex attracted, transgender, pornographers, liberals, some conservatives too. I'm a reconciler. said that for my friend that voted for Obama, but um, he knows who he is. 
I have to get back on track. The ministry of reconciliation, that is Christ, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You are not a political activist for heterosexuality or for pansexuality or for homosexuality. That's not what you are. You are an ambassador for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You and I don't have a leg to stand on without Jesus Christ on the cross. We have no right to condemn anybody else. Bring the grace of Jesus Christ to them. And if you're suffering, let the grace of Jesus Christ flow over you. If you're in the midst of trying to figure out your, your sexuality, if you're in the midst of anything going on in your life, this is a safe place. You will not be kicked out. You will be loved. You will not be looked at. You will not be gossiped about. You will be loved. If you have a community group leader, you should talk to them. If you don't, I'd love to talk to you. If you want to talk to someone and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Where's the first step? You can email us. You can contact. You can send us a carrier pigeon if you want. You can do whatever you want. We want to hear from you because we love you and because we're sexual sinners too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that every single one of us would recognize the fact that all of us have the propensity and have sinned sexually at some point in our lives or are currently doing it. In fact, most of us are. So Lord, would you please create humility in our hearts that you would create something new. We know that if we have faith in you, if we've trusted you as Savior, that it's not because of something that we've done, but simply because you're gracious and you're kind. Lord, may that pervade our lives and may we be people of grace and mercy who are reconcilers. Allow us to lay down our political rights. Allow us to stop talking about all of the things that are going on, I realize that there, that there are egregious things that are happening. Religious liberties in some cases are being taken away. May we suffer for the name of Christ because we want to get closer to people that don't know you, love them, create good relationships with them well before we even share the gospel because we care about them, because you care about them. And we want to image you rightly and bring you glory. We ask this in your name. Amen.